Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rogg. And we take a look at John Stanley's Little Lulu comics today on the channel. But first, uh, hit up our Patreon. Uh, depending on your level of support to Cartoonist Kayfabe, uh, you're getting offered all the videos that we record before anybody else gets to see them. And at this point, we have a nice cache of uh, videos that uh, are done that we haven't released to the public yet. Completely mitigates the Kayfabe effect. But uh, the vids are brought to you by the books that we make on the stands right now, man, I have two uh, trade paperbacks of Red Room out there. It's the 10th anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree, four volumes of that, but we are uh, collecting an omnibus edition in late 2023 that is going to collect all of uh, Hip Hop Family Tree, plus 140 pages of uh, art and extras are gonna be in that edition. It's the best book I ever made. Please uh, support that. Three volumes X-Men Grand Design, uh, and uh, the occasional WYSIWYG you're gonna find out there. Jimmy has Street Angel Princess of Poverty. It's going to be out uh, in. Uh, it's going to be out sooner than later. It's a good companion piece to Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive uh, collection, and both those volumes will comprise of all existing Street Angel comics. Jimmy's Hulk Grand Design is out there right now. It is going quick. So uh, if you see a copy, scoop it up because you might not get a second chance uh, for for quite a while. And without further ado, man, let's. Uh, Let's bring out our sacred scripture. <laughs> a, Smitho a Smithsonian book of comic book comics. Has book in the title two times and comics in the title two times. So you know it's got to be gravy. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. <laughs> this is before we had all our marketing terms of graphic novels and whatnot. Yes. Amazing. You see from this very volume right here, man. It's a well-read book in the Eddie P. library, man. Well, I remember scooping it up at Woodlawn Flea Market when I was maybe still in the single digits of age read it incessantly and it actually got me thinking man about like my relationship with old comics and i don't think it exists that way for for young people nowadays because it's just everything's so accessible when i would have access to even a reprint of an old comic kind of by virtue just you know signals getting crossed weird to my young brain like because it's worth a whole lot of money it has to be respected as like for the craft of it like you it is it is your honor to get to read the superman story from action one or the detective comics 27 first appearance of batman so like the respect levels that i have for all of these comics in here is super elevated but i defend myself by saying that it's all great fucking comics and little lulu is no exception yeah, I think my first exposure to like Little Lulu and John Stanley, there was a Tom Devlin comics journal that he guest edited mm -hmm. and had all kind of different stuff, you know, like like uh, it was a different felt like a different issue, you know, because they were they were covering all this stuff. And he was a big advocate of John Stanley. And now, you know, he works at Drawn and Quarterly and they're reprinting tons of great John Stanley stuff. 13 going on 18, Melvin Monster, Little Lulu, Nancy comic books. Um, so quite an artist very respected uh was a peer of like walt kelly was working at dell at the same time like they would sometimes bump into each other at the office you know before walt kelly goes off to do comic strips was doing comic books um you know kind of a peer of carl barks uh so quite a a you know i mean this is the original golden age you know it's the 40s like these are these are the people that made comics really comics yeah and John Stanley's in that mix. Great text pieces uh, before each of the uh, comics uh, that is um, discussed in, in, the, uh, in the big book to give you that proper context. And uh, it gives you some history on Little Lulu. It's, it's always called Marge's 
little Lulu. So like, but you never see Marge doing the comics or anything like that. So they explain how that comes about, and it's just a contrivance of. What is it, Saturday Evening Post or something? Yeah, they were one panel, kind of like um, Dennis the Menace, like the Hank Ketchum Dennis the Menace, Menace versus like the Dennis the Menace comic books. And yeah. this was common. You would license this stuff. You know, it goes on to become, Marge's little Lulu goes on to become like a spokesperson for Kleenex and things, you know, like it's used in advertising. Uh, imagine those big contracts and, and things, you know, like this is the Michael Jordan with Nike before they're going to like celebrities and sports people. It was comics. And what's fascinating is it's the editors of the Saturday Evening Post. What once uh, Carl Anderson's Henry goes off to become like a regular strip, they need to fill that void. So they just tell Marge, like, hey, can you come up with something? Here's a name, L- Little Lulu. Like, she basically says she draws Henry with pig- pigtails and, and uh, an upturned nose. And she gets the copyright to it. Like, she benefits from all that stuff. Oh, yeah. That, she gets paid that, for... That ain't your Marvel DC contract, That's man. exactly right. Every one of these John Stanley Little Lulu comic books, she got paid, too. So, uh, and good for her. Stanley's name's always associated uh, with Little Lulu. And uh, often it's it's the first comic to come, that comes to mind with uh, John Stanley. It's his masterpiece. But he only... You know, the, the, the line art that you see... Uh, is almost always from somebody else. He, he he wrote and drew the first two right. of 150 issues. But it's worth noting, like, when we say he, he writes these comics, he's not sending you a typed script. Yeah, he's, this he's is drawing comics. of uh, one of his pages. And Irvin Tripp, who drew a lot of his comics, said... Many of these you could almost you could almost print totally. You know, like it's all there. The body language, the expressions, uh, the timing, everything is in these kinds of scripts. So literally, this is what he's doing as a writer. And whenever his editor saw this stuff, because he starts writing before he gets to Little Lulu, uh, whenever the editor sees this, he recognizes this is a guy that we need to do more of this writing. Right. And so that's why you end up do you end up seeing John Stanley writing a lot of this stuff, writing in air quotes, because he's also doing almost pencils and, uh, and and not just doing finished art because they felt, you know, as a writer, as a story guy, he was more valuable. So it was like, well, we can get more stories from him if we have somebody else doing kind of the finished pass. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's the Japanese Nemu kind of uh, approach. This is a uh, John Stanley strip. Yes. Uh, there's four different stories, I believe. This is the one that Stanley does the whole kit and caboodle. Including lettering. And it's a good one, man. Yeah. Like, I, there's like illusion, there's like fart jokes, I feel like, here, <laughs> man. Yeah. Tub, Tubby goes on the bus with an inner tube, <laughs> and they have to, like, let the air out. You just hear, pss, and you see people's hair. Like, that. that's that's body humor, man. And this is preceding your, uh, your Charles Schultz Peanuts by half a decade. So this idea of, like, having kid characters, but maybe they're much more complex than, like, a typical, I don't know, kid character would be. That's not something that Schultz invented. I'm so glad we were looking at this thing, man, because my mind has been on the 12-panel grid. Uh, I think it's going to play a very important part of like my next comic works after after uh, after Red Room, and to see what can be accomplished and to see what kind of air you need to to make a story work is very instructive to me here. And uh, this is the comics by one guy, and so he's packing. It's it's noteworthy to see just how much stuff he's packing into these comics. There's there's a couple of jokes a page. Oh yeah, and you know like they they Tubby's inflatable inner tube gets deflated, and now he's he's too lazy to blow it up himself. They find a guy snoring on the beach to blow it up. But now like, he, that's such a dumb visual gag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then he blows it up so much that they can't get the yes. donut 
off of him, and the guy's still sleeping while the tide comes in. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the beauty of these kinds of comics. Is is like nothing. Nothing is like any. You could do anything. Yeah, and he he writes very much. John Stanley writes very spontaneously. Feels um, like it. I read a biography of him by Bill, the late great Bill Shelley, and that's it. Really gets into the nuts and bolts of how he worked, and that's one of his pieces, you know. And I think it gives life to these strips as a result. It makes a lot of sense too, because it's not like there's like any great build mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's almost like okay, you have a circumscribed amount of pages. Go send little Lulu off to go do this thing. See how much trouble she could get right. in, and then find a good way at the end to sort of get out of it. But 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 in, in those terms, so it's very cool in terms of just spontaneous cartooning or whatever. Um, but it's not this ain't The Simpsons where you know everything is leading to the last panel or something like that, man. And, and it's not even Carl Barks where that happens uh, a lot. Even though I guess he says that he was spontaneous with things, but there are times where I'm like, that just cannot be. It's too 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 tight a story. Yeah, some st- fun stuff in that biography is like these two crossing over, uh, John Stanley and Carl Barks. They attended a comic book convention near the end of Stanley's life, and they got to <laughs> spend a little bit of time talking craft together, so it's cool to have a record of that. Stuff is just constantly happening. They, yes. say, they say in writing, man, you like keep creating obstacles for your characters so here's their bus fare and it falls out of tubby's drawls <laughs> through the slats of the boardwalk of course first he falls and then we see the ramification <laughs> so now he has to go under the boardwalk but how can we create more complication get his little tidy whities caught on a nail that's right so now he's naked under there and now the out comes the uh the uh, lifeguard he goes in after him and he gets the same affliction so now we have two naked boys <laughs> underneath there and of course lulu in charge yes it's also worth noting like you mentioned a comparison to simpsons these are comics that are definitely aimed at young readers too yeah something to keep in mind like like you know there there are a lot of differences from like the great comics and cartoons out there and this stuff in particular it this, these are kids comics yeah and by the biggest publisher of comics in the world at the time here's a pretty good gag right here so so the only clothes that she could find is is a dress <laughs> and it's one dress so little tubby needs to get in there too Little Lulu doesn't want to get left out, so now the guy's running in a dress. Six legs. With six legs. <laughs> uh, somebody gets caught out in the uh, ocean, and the lifeguard has to do some lifeguarding. When he bring, when the lifeguard brings the dude in, let's talk about how uh, pace when you little bastards or something like that, but, but the big guy that he brings out, who almost looks like Tubby, yes. grown-up Tubby, thinks he's talking to him, so now those guys are involved in some shit. And uh, the way the story wraps up, Tubby, little hungry fella. There was like a section of the uh, of the beach where <laughs> the little missing children are, and they get indulgences. So Tubby can go in there. He just has to tell them that they're lost. Yeah, it's it's uh, man. The gag with all of them under the dress kills me, and it just feels like you you cannot invent that gag if you're not draw if you're not sitting there writing right. with little drawings of these characters and just legs everywhere. And it's a classic cartoon trope. Totally. I have to uh, acknowledge, man, that uh, John Stanley's Little Lulu is one of the only comics, and there's room on one hand of the, the amount of times that I actually laughed out loud from a comic. There's so much stuff I read where I'm like, oh, that's fu- ah, that's funny. John Stanley makes me laugh, and one of the pieces that cracks me up is this in this strip here, man, uh, the Five Little Babies, where you got. Little rich boy coming to town with like our, our little Bowery Boys characters and is like, dude, 
all chicks dig me. I bet you I could get little Lulu to freaking walk like a dog yes. for me. They're like, oh, that's crazy, man. Also, it's such a perfect setup for little kids. Like, this feels like something that, man, this this is the, how I would have behaved whenever it was like me and my buddies in about grade two. Yeah. Yeah, which is a skill in and of itself. Like, it John really Stanley, is. a proper man. Like, like, how do you channel that? Uh, so, this little Wilbur fella, man, he's he's a king of kayfabe, so he's figuring out how to scam little Lulu. Yeah, look at, look at the cartooning, too, of him banging on the door. Yeah. Such simple cartooning, but perfectly effective. He convinces uh, little Lulu that he's missing his dog, and the dog is jealous. So if she puts on a dog collar and crawls around, then the dog's going to come running out. Oh yeah, you know what's fucked up about this collection is there's a page out of order. We're going to Yeah, we're going to get to it in a second. Um so little rich boy uh spots his his homies, puts a dog collar on the chick, <laughs> walks uh walks her within their visions. And then we flip the page and these two pages are out of order. Uh it's still little uh Oh yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. Because it all has to do with this like little mm-hmm. little girl. Um, so that's a fucked up thing with this book that kind of bummed yeah, me out. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. So he makes good on his claim. You know, he was able to swindle her. But the little sister of one of the girls is like, you just fell victim, man. You got you got preyed upon. <laughs> you got fucking little kid me too'd. And then you see angry expression little lulu yeah and she's gonna get she's gonna get her comeuppance man she's coming up with a scam and uh these little boys are like frat boys man and 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 uh what do we know about frat boys they all swim naked (laughs) in watering holes together because this is very gay right here that's hilarious so all the naked little boys are uh doing their stand by me gimmick while little lulu and her dusty little friend take all their gear come back it's cool because like we were playing with the 12 panel pages before now mm-hmm. we're doing an eight panel grid sure so the boys tiers. the boys are all naked and the girls bring them diapers to wear it's it's preposterous like if i just said hey ed here's the story yeah you'd be like there's no way that can work and you read it and i feel like all the motivations like it makes perfect sense there's yeah. no point where it's like oh you got to suspend disbelief that that Lulu's gonna bark like a dog or whatever. It's real fluid how they go from moment to moment. It's a it's an interesting uh, it's it's a cool writer exercise for Stanley to give himself where it's like okay this thing has to happen. Now you know little Lulu. How the fuck are you gonna get her to do that? You gotta think about that. Right. And the Pixar rule would be, you come up with four things and you don't do the first three because those are the obvious ones. Uh, so now we we're coming into the space of some of my favorite gags in, the, in all the comics we're going to look at here today. You do a damn human centipede mound of these boys on a little wagon, cover it up because they don't <laughs> want to be seen by the homies. Uh, and they just start to fight and elbows are... Of course. Ending up Once in again, places. right in line with me and my second grade friends. <laughs> so, uh, little Lulu... See, this is the origin of Jackass, actually, man, because, like... How does the Jackass movie open up, man? They're all in, in that giant shopping cart going down a hill together. That's hilarious. <laughs> all you have to do is put them in diapers. That feels like it'd be right on point, too. I've seen a lot of diapers I on think, Jackass. I think a couple of them might have been in diapers uh, on, on that sequence, man. Uh, and look at this. It's the it's the boys in the neighborhoods who say the word fellers and shit. So these are 
kids from the other side of the tracks which is again the perfect setup like if you're gonna maximize your revenge on these boys you got to put them in front of their rivals totally in the most vulnerable of states but they but the little rivals little bowery boy kids they don't even get that far enough to see who the homies are they just see a wagon full of freaking feet feet so many feet they're about to pass out and they keep yelling and, and telling the people of the neighborhoods and and then this panel is great because you see population yeah. of like inside each of those apartments very crummish like one of those pieces that you would see crumb uh, lean on in the future so look at that amount of people it's amazing again if you're gonna do revenge this <laughs> for, is it this is the, payback for the big reveal <laughs> take off the tarp and there you go man uh one of the most vulnerable things that could happen to a crew of young boys i also love at the end they're like why would lulu do a thing like this to us <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing the the motivations like it, it all makes sense when you read this stuff of like why these characters are doing what they're doing and it's kid logic gets it started and then it's just like kid kid responses you know action reaction very easy to understand and i think about how like i get so frustrated at superhero comics most yeah. of the time because i have no idea why anybody's doing any of the stuff right. they're doing it doesn't make sense to me Almost everything in these makes sense to me. Sure, sure. I uh, got a fresh one, man. Uh, still playing with that eight-panel grid. Still four tiers, all that, man. Uh, there's a little boy stuck up on the pole, and the mother is freaking out, trying to figure out how to get him down. Uh, this happened. We we uh, we lived in Baltimore, man, in, in third grade. We lived on a, a third-floor uh, apartment, had a balcony and stuff, and there were um, like uh, pine trees uh, out out front. The worst trees to climb. My kid brother is in a pine tree high enough to look into the third floor window of the kitchen as mom is doing dishes if i'm in third grade he's three years younger he's like in kindergarten and he's what is that 25 50 feet up yeah yeah it's, it's between 20 and 30 feet probably easily yeah and m my mom was the greatest like she's so good at the mom part of no selling terror but like she, stay calm for the parents yeah <laughs> but she and so she like did not flake even though she wanted to and t and coax that boy to get down out of the tree but that's what this reminds that's me hilarious. of right here because it's, it's the same setup you yes. know it's the same setup and that little boy might be the same and one of the conventions that uh stanley would come back to you can keep going yeah uh is he is telling stories to this kid this little neighbor kid that she would babysit mm -hmm. and so in this case she decides she'll get him down if she tells him a story and uh she wants to tell him one about a little a little girl, and he's like, no, I don't want that one. <laughs> Poor little girl. He wants one about a rich little boy. Yeah. And so uh, that's what she's going to give him. Second one, man, of, uh, of, of the selections here. But such rich imagination. He's able to, like, tap into this kid mind. Right. So there's... The, the little rich boy, he's, buy, he's buying everything. He, you know, if, if he likes walnuts, he's buying a walnut warehouse. Uh, if he likes elephants, he's buying herds of them. And listen, he made, uh, he made a good uh, try, attempt to try to buy the Atlantic Ocean off of Uncle Sam. <laughs> and Uncle Sam says, no, man, I, I need it sometimes. How about a smaller body of water, Lake Superior? The boy gets mad and starts to smack the earth, smack America with a stick. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> and that and that. But he 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 squelched that man by buying a freight train full of yo-yos. Still playing with that eight-panel uh grid. The the uh dude, talk about the elastic the elasticity of the comic book medium. This is stray bullets 
format here. And look what you could accomplish with the same the same eight squares. Uh, but he's playing with this caption motif, man. Lots of words on the page. And it just is this escalating thing. The boy keeps buying stuff. Uh, little Lulu is uh, like a poor type character. Uh, and the boy is a rival with her, doesn't like her, but he inadvertently keeps doing nice things for her without realizing it. He's thinking he's being a dickhead, but she wins all the time. And develops a crush on him. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's quite accurate to uh, schoolyard lo love. <laughs> Little Lulu in love is very funny looking. <laughs> <laughs> we don't see her just happy very often. The boy calls a damn dog catcher on her. She gets thrown in the pen, <laughs> but she loves it because she gets surrounded by a bunch of cool dogs. And this is a cool piece of cartooning because that is it's a whole panel full of different breeds mm -hmm. of these pups. Yeah, and if you look into Stanley's background, like, he draws all kinds of comics. Yeah. You know, his ability to draw a bunch of these different cartoon dogs, not surprising if you see what all he's done. Yeah. Ultimately, she ends up being told, go dig a hole and whatever, you know, crawl in it, strikes oil. And what this sets up, we're going to reverse our roles a little bit, because now the little poor girl is suddenly very, very rich. Yeah, and it's, it's so good, like, how she buys all the stuff that the dude <laughs> likes. So now he's hungry because she bought the hot dog cart, but you don't even get to eat the hot dogs, but you could just like smell them or something. <laughs> when his hair starts to get ratty and look at how Stanley communicates that, uh, she bought the barber shop. So she's <laughs> given him uh, the rule like, uh, you know, you can't do that. And then look at what the boy turns into. It looks like your fucking Facebook profile picture. Yes, it does. <laughs> heck, heck of a mullet there. That's all ratty and mangy. So just be, you know, he's, he's a rich boy, but can't buy anything. So he's as poor as anybody. And then that's enough to get the little boy down off the pole. Very angry that uh, Lulu's double crossed him in this storytelling. Yes. Yes. And you actually, I think you need the last panel to explain exactly what the heck happened there because it's just like, what, what, what are we getting at there? Uh, so how did you get him to come down? Easy mother. Little boys don't like little girls to get the best of them, even in stories. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's kind of what he does in all of these stories. Yeah, you know, that's the little Lulu model is her getting in some kind of competition with with usually with the boys in the neighborhood, and then it's on. It's, yeah. it's war, just one upping each other. We've got a detective comic in this last one, man. Amazing. Uh, little Tubby becomes uh, the the spider, I believe. This must have been, you know, if you're thinking '40s, like the spider being a pulp character. May has still been around. Like when he says the spider spins again, like readers might know the spider. Yeah, and and then uh, when I was reading about that in a text piece at the beginning, right? And I'm like, okay, is he gonna have like you know look like Green Hornet and have a little domino mask? No, he looks like Mexican or something. Just a mishmash of stuff, and this is all based on Lulu's dad shaves off his mustache. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Tubby <laughs> is suggesting that dad is doing that to prevent himself from being uh, recognizable yes. to the feds. <laughs> so uh, he contrives all different ways to get access to the house to search for a bunch of money that might have been taken from a bank or something. Because I guess uh, dad works at a bank. That, that might be my question if I could talk to John Stanley is, tell me about Tubby's costume here. Right, yeah, yeah. Like a, like a damn hula skirt. Bizarre. And, uh, and a Charlie Brown shirt. The mustache, like it's just all over the map. Yeah. There's always, like, Keystone Cop-type firemen in these kind of comics. Yeah, the old gag of, like, uh, having the firemen come to get somebody out of, like, 
a tree or second story or whatever was you know rescue a cat from a tree did this used to happen <laughs> is this a common thing in life it certainly is in pop culture of the day it huh? sure is so uh he mistakes him for the for like the well i guess it is the cops cops just have a big ass ladder and tubby comes running out no 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 he's not the bad guy he's cool he's innocent the cops ain't even they're like kids should be seen and not heard shut the fuck up yeah they're not interested in at all <laughs> and when uh old mr lulu Oof. gets back in the house by the way this is also uh one of those pop culture things whenever uh you know, somebody has something hidden, or like somebody sneaks into somebody's house to look for stuff, and everything is completely unturned. Yes. And and all over the place, like no, no uh, hint of stealth. <laughs> no. Whatsoever. You know that somebody's on to you. Yeah. <laughs> the spider spins again. There it is, man. Little Lulu. Uh, we had this channel for damn near five years, and this is the first John Stanley Little Lulu that we showed off on the channel. Uh, I don't think it'll be the last. No, and, and I would recommend this is something that I had read. Ed, when you were on Manga Quest, this was something I, I picked up and finally got to read. Bill Shelley's authored a number of these biographies yeah. of cartoonists, and I recommend any of them. All John. the ones that I've read have been great, yeah. and they're giants. Like, most of the people he's written about, they're they're big cartoonists uh, in, in history. So Yeah, rest in peace, Bill Shelley, man. Like, I got to know him just a little bit, and, and to me, he's like one of those key figures uh, that preserved a comic book fandom through his hamster press. Uh, book collections of Phantom's Greatest Comics where you get to see, you know, Klaus Janssen stuff that he did before he was a pro and Frank Miller and guys like that. He created an encyclopedia of all the names, uh, the big important people of comics fandom that I refer to on a regular basis when we do these. Uh, Massive contribution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, man. The other Surly place um, that you may find little Lulus at home if you haven't read any and, and go go read these. You know, like we talked about Calvin and Hobbes and I said, read them at night before you go to bed. You'll be in better moods. I'd say the same thing with little Lulu. Dark Horse reprinted a bunch of these in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, they can be spotty to find, but you might find those on a shelf in your local comic shop, and if so, they're very affordable copies uh, if they haven't been marked up for being out of print. Yeah. But, you know, just cheap reader copies is what those things were, and guess what? They blew out. <laughs> you know, like people bought them all because they're great comics, but you can still find them because there were a lot of those printed. Yeah. yeah, they don't make them like they used to, man. And uh, this is just uh, one of the great contributions of comics that informed many of the great creators who would come afterward, from the guys in the undergrounds to your Hernandez brothers and uh, Dan Clauses and Absolutely. people like that, man. Uh, K-Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new vids are available. And got to make you guys aware of our Patreon. Uh, hit the link in the description below. Uh, support the cartoonist kayfabe channel through the patreon and if you uh, support us at the highest level you're getting all the videos before anybody else and uh, if you're up early enough you're watching the live stream recording session as we put these vids together completely mitigates the kayfabe effect uh, those uh of you out there who who are looking for those dark horse books they're all getting snapped up at the cheapest prices by the people who are watching us stream this at this very moment but the vids are also brought to you by the books that we make so jimmy let the people know Street Angel, Princess of Poverty is my next book. It'll be out later this spring from Image Comics. It'll collect all of the Street Angel comics that aren't in Deadliest Girl Alive, which is also available. So the perfect set for uh, fans of Street Angel, Plain Janes, my young adult graphic novel is still in print, and Hulk Grand Design available everywhere books are bought and sold. And you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug to download out-of-print zines and mini-comics, see more of my work, and see what I am working on now. I'm compiling uh, what's going to be the, be the best book I ever made is going to be the Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus coming out later 2023. Uh, support it right at this very moment, man. We got to go to press reasonably soon. And I want uh, I want this thing to, to be massive. Uh, 
Uh, it collects 140 pages of extra material that's not in the first four volumes. That's more than a volume five amount of of artwork and extras in there. But I'm also uh, soliciting my next round of Red Room comics uh, to your comic shops right now. Crypto Killers is the name of this next season of Red Room comics, the 2023 season. There's my cover uh, for the stands. Here's Jimmy's variant cover for that uh, edition. We have sketch covers for this first round and just for a little seasoning, there's the cover for issue two. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit. Each of these stories completely self-contained. There are two Red Room volumes out there in existence right now. There are four Hip Hop Family Tree volumes out there, three X-Men Grand Design and one WYSIWYG. What else do we have out there, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, mugs, stickers, and lots more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. Another great way to support the channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.